On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by national champion Rhett Wiseman for his weekly visit on TDR. We watch the end of Game 1 against LSU together, discuss Rhett's experience of playing on Thursday nights in the SEC, the Vandy Boys' performance in Fayetteville last weekend, Enrique Bradfield Jr. elevating his play, Tim Corbin switching up the pitching rotation this weekend, and everything the Doors must do in order to host a regional, the atmosphere down in Hoover, Alabama for the SEC tournament next week, and his predictions on the rest of this weekend's series against LSU. Plus, we've also got Scottie Pippen Jr. looking good in the NBA Combine and a decommitment from Reese Mooney, Coach Lee's first commit in the 2023 class. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, Grab a cold one and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 162. It is May 19th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. It is a family-owned and operated company for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. For more info on Alaco, uh, log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Will, we are back. It, uh, man, it feels like it's been a couple years since our last episode, and and uh, we, we had some fans getting antsy, but uh, here we are. We, we are we are back and ready to roll. We've got, boy, we talk about beefy episodes in the past. This one's going to be pretty beefy. We got a lot of baseball to talk about. We got some uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. news to talk about. He is uh, he's playing pretty well in, in, so far in, in the NBA Combine. They had a scrimmage today. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, and then uh, we'll, we'll touch on Reese Mooney decommitting from uh, from Vanderbilt football, but. Uh, Will, it, we're back. It feels like this is the first episode ever. It, it feels uh, there might, hopefully there's no rust. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a little bit of rust, Billy. <laughs> I think me and you preparing for this one realized that when we were uh, trying to adjust the audio and forgot how to adjust the settings, but it does feel like it's been been a little, it, it has definitely been too long, but it it hasn't been quite as long as it's felt. Because we had some technical issues, Billy. Yes, we yes, actually we did. recorded live episode one sixty one, which would have been a week and a half or so ago. Yes, and I don't know what happened. I'm blaming you one hundred percent of the blame. I am passing the buck along to you uh, because uh, we did record that one. It was live, and then somehow, Billy, uh, it was listen, unable to be posted. Uh, I'm going to blame that on Restream. It, it uh, well, actually, Anchor. I'm going to blame that on Anchor because mm. well, Anchor just crashed on me. 
Anchor just completely mm. crashed, and so uh, whatever the blame is, we uh, we get we're back, and we've got another episode uh, firing at you. And uh, Will's going to be kind of looking over at his TV screen as the Vandy boys uh, have uh, have begun. It looks like uh, maybe maybe not. I guess they're uh, they're on ESPN News right now. Is that right, Will? Uh, because we've got some golf on ESPN. I am two. trying to get it pulled up right now. It looks like it's ESPN it. two actually. Okay. ESPN okay. two. So okay, uh, ES- ESPN, ESPN two. One of the main ESPN. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk baseball. We'll recap Vandy's uh, weekend from Arkansas down in Fayetteville last weekend and uh, a little bit of basketball with Scotty Pippen Jr. But before we get to all that, and we'll also be joined by Rhett Wiseman a little bit later. That'll be later tonight at 9.30, so he will check in later. Will, before we get to the breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door.report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615 615- Three five six zero three zero three, a Laco Fine Wood Floors, craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well let's uh let let's start with Vanderbilt's weekend in uh, in Fayetteville. Vanderbilt had probably obviously the biggest weekend series win of the season, uh, de- taking two out of three from Arkansas. And after watching that game, Will Enrique Bradfield Jr. We we knew he was a freak of nature. We knew the type of player he was. Uh, but his batting average went from about two ninety to all the way up to three thirty two. I, I think it was. So what he did in Fayetteville last weekend was was unprecedented. I don't think any other player is capable of doing that. And I got to he... break in here and say oh, that I was in. wrong. There is golf on ESPN2. Yes, so I'm I still searching actively uh, <laughs> for the Vanderbilt game. As soon as I can find it, I might just go over to the ESPN app. Uh, I'll be well, back I... uh, paying attention to this podcast <laughs> a little bit more. So when you see me looking away, I'm trying to find gotcha. the Vanderbilt game. I'm not just staring off into space. <laughs> I saw bottom right, Will. The game has been switched over to ESPN News uh, because of the golf right now. So I'm not sure what uh, channel you've got there for, for ESPN, but it, I think it's ESPN News. Uh, so uh, And we're going to try to share our my screen on the game. But if we can't find ESPN News, probably not. So, uh, uh, but, but that's, that's the latest right now. Will, did you find it? I know ESPN news is somewhere. If you have Hulu as a live streaming service or anybody out there, let Hulu Will know. TV. No, I, I, I have it. I like Hulu. He has it. It's a great, it's a great service. The only problem is the screen and finding anything within Hulu is absolutely horrible. So I'm still searching for it actively right now, but. Once I get it pulled up, I think it, they will probably be showing the Vanderbilt game against LSU that was originally slated to be on ESPN2 over the UFC greatest hits. So that is, uh, <laughs> that, that's what I'm assuming it will take precedence over. Uh, I would hope it takes precedence over that. I, I would really hope. But, Will, in the meantime, as uh, as we still try to find the Vanderbilt baseball game, uh, we should have just it. gone to and it. They are, uh, and, oh, they we've are got going. it. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay. So All we, right. Are, uh, All right. we have the game live. We have that on the background. It only took us the first five minutes of the episode, really. <laughs> will, this is uh, not the best start. Uh, we are we are <laughs> definitely rusty. We will get the rust off. But, Will, let's get into last weekend. I'm not sure exactly how much of uh, the weekend down at Fayetteville you were able to watch but 
I didn't expect this. I'll, I'll come out and say this. Well, I didn't expect Vanderbilt to go down there or, or go over, go west, I guess, to Arkansas and, and beat the Arkansas Razorbacks. And they hadn't lost. I think it was 12 straight series that they had won at home, and Vanderbilt snapped that streak. So, Will, the way they're playing right now, I right now, and they still got to beat LSU, I think, to host a regional. But the way they're playing right now, I think they are good enough to host a regional. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, that they are trending in the right direction. And it was funny because it had been so long, because even though we did record live, we didn't update the the Google Doc that we use as kind of a shared notes document uh, that we update throughout the week before the episodes. Um, the last one of the last titles was Vandy Boys. Is it time to press the panic button? And that was from <laughs> May the 4th. So that was episode 160. So right. two ago. Uh, but it's crazy what has changed and what has happened and just this Arkansas series kind of validating what we have been seeing, which is slow and steady improvement, albeit much, much later than I think that, that any of us and me and you expected and definitely were looking for. And usually out of a Tim Corbin team, it doesn't take this long. So it's not that all the problems are solved. Not everything is fixed but things are trending in the right direction. Would it be better if maybe things had begun trending in the right direction three to four series before they did? Yeah, because then you'd be sitting right here with more time to be moving and solidifying yourself, not just as a regional host site. We're we're very, very caught up on that, but Mm -hmm. the main thing is getting that first round by in Hoover in the SEC tournament. I think that's something that's being overlooked in this weekend series. I don't want to jump ahead here because we do have the Arkansas series Mm -hmm. and the MTSU game to go over, but uh, this series against LSU is huge as far as that is concerned, and that'll really solve a lot of those uh, a lot of that jumble that's still there uh, right around that spot that Tennessee's obviously leading the pack. And then you see the rest of everyone, really, especially after yeah. uh, Vanderbilt winning that series this weekend, two to one. Yeah, I look at the SEC right now, Will, in, you know, I would say three tiers of the teams that are going to make Hoover likely. You got Tennessee, I think, is in a tier of their own. You've got the second tier with, uh, I think you put Arkansas and, and probably Georgia in that tier. The plate, and then the third. The plate being reviewed right now. Oh being reviewed we've like, got a lot yeah, live updates like clearly from clearly it looked like it was going to be an error but it clearly looks like he tagged him out so Vanderbilt was able to uh, get the second out there, there in the go. top of the first inning LSU still threatening they have men on second and third right now with go. two outs okay there's so the I'm update. not going to do live play-by-play but we are going to do updates of uh, significant yes. moments since we are simultaneously recording <laughs> and uh, streaming live with the uh, Vanderbilt game I don't think we've ever done this, Will. It's no, uh, th- That's how bad our scheduling has been. This is the only time we could get this episode in. So that's how, if you're wondering how busy we both are right now, uh, that's how busy we are. We're recording uh, right as game one starts. Uh, but the Vandy boys get out of that inning. They get out of a wild sequence, and uh, Javi Vaz had a nice str- strong throw there home, so Vanderbilt is, is going to go to the plate. But well, I, I agree with you. I, it's it's Tennessee and really everybody else. I mean, that third tier for me is is Vanderbilt and Florida and I mean, it, it's it's just a hodgepodge. It's a lot of what we saw in SEC basketball this year, where the league is still really good. It's not like the league is down. It might be a step down, but it's still. I mean. The, the competition is, is always there. Well, it's it's and, what and, is always the question, and we've just come to accept it in football. And people are starting to accept it, even though the SEC has had no tournament success in basketball. But the question every single year with baseball is always, are these teams a step down 
or are they just beating up on each other? And I think this year, Billy, I, I think you really see, I think they're just beating up on each other. Yeah. I think there's so many of these SEC teams that are going to shock. I don't want to say shock. I think it'll be expected in the gambling yeah. odds and gambling market. But I think that you'll see a lot of SEC tournament teams even overproducing where they are seated in this tournament, which is the complete opposite of the prediction that I gave going into the NCAA basketball tournament. So I want to give mm-hmm. the give that give that beforehand and say that I'm not an SEC homer because I thought the SEC basketball conference was completely overrated this year. And I'm going to go on the complete other side and say that the SEC baseball as a conference is going to do a lot better than I think yeah. even the gambling markets are going to entail and, and what they're showing. And they usually do. I mean, SEC baseball is just ridiculous. Uh, yes, it's a hodgepodge, but I still think you could see four, potentially even five teams in Omaha, uh, however many they can fit potentially, because a lot of times in regional and super regionals, well, you're seeing SEC matchups. And, and you know, that's really good for college baseball. We're going to, I think we'll see a lot of those this year. So it's going to be fun to watch. Well, just real quick before we get into the LSU this weekend, uh, just kind of a recap Vanderbilt defeated Arkansas nine to six in 10 innings on on Friday that was a wild that was the raccoon game Will I know you saw that uh and so I I thought that might rally Arkansas the rest of the weekend uh but uh the maybe that was a little bit of a rally rallying cry for Vanderbilt after the raccoon showed up down in Fayetteville I mean it's Uh, it's, even though even though Arkansas is you know I would associate the school of Arkansas a little bit more with a raccoon than I would Vanderbilt. <laughs> it is the state animal uh, of Tennessee. It, yes. So maybe yes, Vanderbilt channeled some of uh, that inner juju. Maybe T-Rack uh, was, was looking <laughs> from above and guiding some of those balls did, uh, into the gloves. Did, did you see the, the reaction of the Vanderbilt bullpen uh, in the picture? In the background, all you see is the Vanderbilt bullpen just like stone face. Like, what What even is that? What, what kind of an animal is that? I'm, a lot of the players probably have never seen a raccoon. So it was, it was, pretty, it was a funny scene uh, in Fayetteville this past weekend. But, uh, Will, that, that was it. Game two, Vanderbilt lost 11-6. But they had to finish that on Sunday, which is a weird, weird case. There was a lot of rain, a lot of thunderstorms in Fayetteville. And then game three, Vanderbilt dominated. That was a shortened seven inning game uh they won five nothing uh, and then uh they beat mtsu this weekend will so or this past week so i mean it, it, we, we talk about it will this is what we i think i expect i expected this from this team to kind of down the stretch with exams over imagine how much of a of a of a weight is lifted after you got exams over with and you're able to just focus on baseball i mean i think that was what a lot of fans forgot about that Yes, it seems like every year Vanderbilt baseball starts to play a little bit better when they don't have to focus on the academic side of things. I, I got to imagine that uh, half or most of that Vanderbilt team was was very relieved. Uh, I know there's some probably some students, some Vanderbilt baseball players that love being in the classroom. Not saying that, but I'm sure they'd rather be on the baseball field than in the classroom. So, uh, you know, they've definitely been playing a lot better ever since exams have finished. And that's where they're at, Will. So Vanderbilt and, and Arkansas, they got the series win. Um, I guess we'll move into to LSU now and, and kind of – I mean, I, I, I just – I, I kind of want to say that, yeah, we were harsh on this team. And I still yeah. don't necessarily – all this being said, I don't, I don't want – because they've won four out of the last five series, and it's a great series win over Arkansas, beating, winning that series and setting yourself up for what they can do potentially this weekend against LSU, that without that Arkansas series just wouldn't really be possible, uh, just with the metrics and rankings, not yeah. even including the SEC standings. But 
not everything is like amazing. I, I don't think that me and you, and I just want to get your take on this, are going to give and change our perspective that this team necessarily has shifted into our eyes as one of the most one of the favorite teams of the right. Tim Corbin era in no. potential to win the national championship. I don't I don't think that that is by any stretch of the imagination what we're saying, even though it is mostly moving in the positive direction. And we've been mm-hmm. pretty harsh, even and especially on the episode that didn't get released. That was our <laughs> that was our main uh push the panic button episode. So maybe that was a that was a good one to have some technical yeah. issues mm-hmm. on Billy, because that may have been some hot takes that we look back on that may not have been so great later on. But I still don't think that everything is fixed. I still think that there's some inconsistency with the bats that there's still some shakiness there in that starting rotation mm-hmm. and in the bullpen. And especially if any recurring injuries happen, there's not a lot of depth. So that depth is going to be tested in postseason play, but they have a potential to be in the spot that they wanted to be to start the season, even though they've maybe not gotten there in the way that they wanted to get there. Right. And I hope that sentence made sense because I think that, it made sense, but boy, it's been a long day, Billy. And well, that was so a, you I, did a good, I, I thought you did a good job. I, I agree. I, I perfectly agree with it because one series doesn't change, doesn't fix everything that's happened with this team this year. Like, yes, they went, they went over to Fayetteville and took two out of three, but let's see if they can keep it rolling. Cause that's what they're going to have to do in the postseason. You know, say you win your regional and then you you got another super regional to go win, whether that's on the road or at home. And then in Omaha, you know, that that's a gauntlet like like winning a national title. That doesn't happen. Like even making it to the finals. Corbin talks about it. That that just doesn't happen. Like Vanderbilt has made it four times. I mean, it's 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 incredible. So but the fact of the matter is they still have a lot of work to do. And it starts this weekend. So, you know, I, I'm with you, Will, in the fact that let's see what they do this weekend. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves with this team. I know we've done that. We've done that with football before. We've done that with basketball. I think we did it with basketball a lot. You were always really good about tempering excitement. You're, all, you're always really good about tempering excitement. But, but I think it's smart now. I think it's, it's smart right now. I've been hurt now. too many times to get excited. <laughs> You, you just you, you have always have to temper I'm all, uh, you'll be the glass half full guy or I'm the glass half empty guy and that's just hey, that's, that's the just way how it has it's to be. be but I that's... but I think I don't want to be negative either I just kind of no. want to be wait and see reasonable and, I, and reasonable. it's so tough to yeah it's we had to get an episode out because it had been a week and a half or since we had recorded so we had to get one out but really I would have loved to record this on like Sunday That would have been fantastic after this. We could really go over some stats and see where they're trending. But this LSU series, and I don't want to breeze past the MTSU game because there were some pretty good performances there uh, by some individual guys that I know we want to touch on before getting into this LSU series. Yes, there were. I keep trying to jump ahead. I keep trying to jump ahead, but I'm not going to. You're not going to. I'm, I'm proud of you, Will. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. For, I know it's hard. I know it's hard not to jump ahead. Uh, but, Will, the first play that I kind of look back in the MTSU game on, and we'll get to LSU, is the glove toss from Dom Keegan over to Ryan Ginther, who was pitching a left-handed uh, freshman, I'm pretty sure, for Vandy. It's plays like that that, I mean, when's the last time you've seen something like that? It feels like there's a little bit of that type of mojo. I mean, Spencer Jones is playing is playing at the top of his level right now. Enrique Bradfield. It just feels like they're they're starting to find a rhythm that they haven't really found. I mean, up until this point, you know. I mean, throughout the season, they've had flashes. They've won a game 
game against Auburn, nineteen to four, and you know, it, it, but they didn't really prove anything. You know, they didn't prove anything to to anybody. But now that series in Fayetteville, they did that, and and so well, it's just kind of plays like that. You throw your glove out when when you, I mean, it gets them by by a millisecond. And and I know I'm missing some plays from the MTSU game, and I know I know you were able to watch a little bit of that. I know we had Braden McPherson there, but uh, MTSU was a top fifty RPI team. Like they are, they they were not a cupcake by any means, and to 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 stay at home and beat MTSU seven to two convincingly, I think that's another step in the right direction for this team. They could have easily, I think, uh, been upset and taken that loss, and you know maybe gotten this, you know, taken a step back, but they didn't do that. So, um, well, it, it's a those midweek games, those midweek games will have been huge for this team, and and it's been mostly because of Devin Futrell. He was eight zero in midweek games until he lost one a couple weeks ago against Louisville. Uh, but ever since the Louisville loss, will it just feels like this team's starting to round into form a little bit, and their RPI will wouldn't be where it is right now without those midweek victories from Devin Futrell. They're number three in the country right now in RPI, which you know it's not. I wouldn't say incredible. It's a lot higher than where they're ranked in the top twenty-five. They're at fourteen. Uh, they're at twenty-one right now. They're fourteen projected overall seed according to D one baseball right now, and they look ahead in those projections. So they're not saying right now. They look ahead in those projections, but. Well, I mean, those midweek games, without those, they, they are not in the spot that they're in right now. You know, I mean, we, we can't forget about that either. Yeah, it's it's what – I think your connection's having a little bit of trouble there, Billy, but it, it's what oh, we always – yeah, that's that's not ideal. But Not ideal. It's, it's Let's what just we always keep say, going. Yeah, there we go. But it's what we say in basketball early in the season – the games that you really don't think about early on getting your feet under you, getting the rotation going, usually those don't really have much of an impact if you are playing the entire season as expected and you round into form exactly how expected, then then you, those really don't matter. And especially the midweek games, they're really just labs. They're testing grounds for younger guys and seeing different things and working on different shifts and different adjustments and testing things out. But when you have a season like Vanderbilt has had, those midweek games are their saving grace right now. And they have performed so well, and a lot of that thanks to Fatro. But they have performed so well so consistently against lesser opponents. And that is something that has not always been said about not just Vanderbilt baseball, but especially Vanderbilt sports in general. It's just beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And how often just doing that at the end of the season, amazingly, your rankings and metrics always look so much better. And I think RPI, I love that you brought up that Vanderbilt sitting there at number three, because RPI, the big criticism of it is that it doesn't take into account strength of schedule enough. So that would perfectly encapsulate the fact that Vanderbilt has struggled a little bit, is trending in the right direction, but has taken care of the fact, has taken care of those lesser opponents and those teams that maybe you look at a one-off loss in a game to MTSU, let's say, if they would have lost that one. And you don't immediately pull the panic panic alarm. You don't pull the fire alarm, press the panic button. You don't do that. But now, looking back, you say, that was a pretty good win, number 48 RPI. And now things, now these wins at the end of the season are more impactful versus if you had started off with that SEC record, kind of lower mid of the pack, honestly, where they were at one point around that eighth spot, overall ninth spot, that in that spot, 
those midweek games matter a lot. So this team actually taking care of business, Billy, I think at the end of the year, I want to tally up and I know we'll do it going into Hoover and going into the SEC tournament, but really tally up the end of year stats and just the trends of this team. Because one stat that I just wanted to bring up, and it's the only stat that I really wanted to bring up from the MTSU game is this guy. I think uh, most Vanderbilt fans and most, most college baseball fans have heard this name is Enrique Bradfield Jr. And he's currently doing something pretty effing spectacular, which is he's perfect on the base paths. Unbelievable. In a sport just encapsulated by imperfection and failure. It mm-hmm. is amazing that he is 41 out of 41 on steals. Unbelievable. This year. And he also was four for four with a walk against MTSU as well. So that, yep. those are pretty good statistics, but man, not bad. 41 out of 41. I, that That's one thing that we just need to keep saying his stats because it's going to be not as much underappreciated, I think, as Scotty Pippen Jr. and the numbers he was putting up. But those are numbers that it's not just until the next Enrique. There will never be. And maybe one, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to watch Enrique Bradfield play baseball much like it was really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to watch Jay Cutler play football. And so that's that's uh, what I am kind of equating that type of talent sitting on West End is Enrique Bradfield Dam. I mean, it, it's so impressive when you watch because that's not just speed. I mean, there are other guys that have that speed. I mean, he's not necessarily – I mean, he has incredible speed. I yeah, don't want to downplay it's, that. It's ridiculous. It, he's the it's most – it's not just that. It's technique. It's watching film. It's it, He's improved year after year after year. So I wanted to give props to him. And Spencer Jones and Dom Keegan, of course, had a, oh. had a hell of a game against MTSU. So yeah. I know you probably want to move into this uh, LSU preview here. Yes, we will. We are previewing game one as we speak, and the game is going on as we speak. And well, I mean, Enrique Bradfield Jr., just he's the most electric player in the country. I mean, there's nobody, there's nobody else like him. And like you said, there's not going to be anyone else ever uh, like Enrique Bradfield Jr. anywhere. Um, so, so uh, yeah, Vanderbilt got the series win over Arkansas, but we'll. As game one goes on, let's talk a little bit about what this series against LSU means for this team this weekend. Uh, Obviously, first pitch is underway. There is no score uh, between Vanderbilt and and LSU. Uh, But, Will, LSU historically is a team that, you know, I don't know if I'd say Vanderbilt has struggled with, but they're a historically really, really good baseball program. And so they come into Nashville after getting swept by Ole Miss at, at their home place, Alex Box Stadium, uh, down in Louisiana last weekend. So they're going to come in uh, w- with, you know, hell on wheels. They're going to come in ready to play. But, Will, what this series means, I think, is it, does this team, you know, like how, how much want does this team have? Obviously, Tim Corbin is not telling these guys, hey, we need to win this series because we want to host a regional. Now, that's, that's probably been mentioned, but they're focusing on winning game, game one tonight, and they're going to focus on winning game two tomorrow night. But, Will, I talk about the emotion a lot you know, in sports, basketball, but there's no reason for the Hawk this weekend to not be packed. I mean, you get the final home regular season series of the weekend, the LSU Tigers, a, a big-name program, a big-name collegiate team uh, in all sports well, coming to town not nothing nothing anymore jordan thompson just cranked one out of the hawks so there it is it's down one oh just a solo shot in the top of the second right as i say that i'm not gonna at yep. least i don't have to say the score is there's no score anymore so lsu takes a one nothing lead after a jordan thompson home run from the tigers will thanks for keeping us updated uh but will it's 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 important but at the same time for this team 
it's you know they're in the tournament. That's that's the that's kind of the silver lining here. Like they are they're in. It's not like basketball where hey they need to win these games to get in. Vanderbilt's in. I think if they lose this series, they're likely a two seed unless they make a long run in Hoover. But if they win this series this weekend, will I think they are a lock uh, to to host a regional. And I say that because you're coming off a series win in the road in Fayetteville. Your RPI is top five in the country. It's likely going to stay that way. And you've you've come off a, a series win over LSU. And then say they win a couple in Hoover. The way this team's playing, I mean, I just I think that's where this this, this the importance is. Now the pitching staff is what I look at this weekend. Will Devin Futrell is starting tonight. They're going to send Christian Little on the bump tomorrow night, and then they'll have Chris McElwain on the hill on Saturday for game three. And Carter Holton is getting a much-needed rest. I think he's really well, but that's what they did with Jack Leiter last year. They, they gave him a good rest, and it mattered. So, well, it, this series matters a lot. Uh, for, and if they're able to get it, I think they host. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if you agree with that. They may have to win a couple in Hoover. But I just think you're coming off those two series wins in the SEC. I think they'll end up hosting if they win this weekend. I mean, it would be hard to keep them from hosting. I think there's so much congestion, and that's what I keep pointing to in the SEC. It is wild to look at the standings, and there are actually six teams within striking distance of that top four seed in the SEC tournament that guarantees you a first-round buy. That is wild to see that many teams in that tide of tide of a bunch this late in the season you have three teams at the top three teams at the bottom and then kind of just a jumble there in the middle and there's kind of alabama i think i don't have it pulled up in front of me uh there it is alabama and mississippi state which is shocking sitting at the bottom of the west and then missouri and kentucky sitting there at the bottom then you have Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Vandy, all sitting there at either a 14 and 13, 13 and 14, or 15 and 11 record going into this last season. That's that's the jumble. That is the jumble right there. And then Tennessee, obviously, unfortunately, hate saying it, at the top, uh, sitting the there above top. everyone else. We will see how that power carries over into postseason play. But a lot of this haze is going to be lifted up. Uh, very early this weekend, uh, especially in this Vanderbilt LSU game. That's going to pretty much eliminate one of the two teams pretty much in this first game. And then we'll see how the other series play out. Uh, You have Auburn matching up against uh, Kentucky, which I believe that game today was postponed, but there are some other good matchups. I don't have the schedules out in front of me, but this is going to be a busy weekend of SEC baseball. And it's nice to have a busy weekend of sports, Billy, Uh, even though right now my beloved Celtics are tipping off and I'm missing it to record this podcast. So I I just wanted to mention out there once again, I wouldn't call myself a hero. (laughs) <laughs> Other people may call me a hero, but I, I certainly wouldn't use those words. The hero. Way, so the hero the hero the, of the door report. The hardest working man in Vanderbilt podcasting, I think, is uh, uh, that's no, the no word doubt that I want it. written out. Yeah. <laughs> that's the better maybe, adjective maybe for you. You're, you're, fi- you're, fighting, you're fighting with me for it. Though, <laughs> really. uh, recently, you've, uh, you've picked up the pace. They're graduating, moving. And then Big move. Uh, hopping, Big move. Hopping back on the mic. <laughs> I love it. But, well, I thought a big quote after the game against MTSU was, uh, as I say, Vanderbilt's not thinking about hosting. Obviously, the players are. I mean, that is, that's in the back of their minds. Uh, but Spencer Jones said, we want to keep playing baseball at the Hawk. We don't want this to be our last weekend here coming up against LSU. So, obviously, these guys, it's in the back of their minds that they don't 
you know, obviously they don't want to play a regional on the road. Not that they can't win a regional on the road, but hosting a regional helps a lot. And every college baseball coach, every college baseball player knows it. And, you know, it's just it, you're at home. You're at home. It's comfortable. It's like, you know, it, it's like it, it's like a bowl game being close to your home. It's just you're close to home. And so for Vanderbilt, will this close week, to home, Billy? What? <laughs> I'm just saying you're good. Yeah, they're, they're close to home. They're close I'm to good. home, buddy. <laughs> um, but, well, the thing about it is this weekend is so important because, I mean, the regional is at stake. Like, obviously, you want to, you don't want to play on the, you can play on the road. Like, for Vanderbilt, for this team, I, I, they can definitely go on the road and win a regional. They've, they've shown that they can do that this season. Uh, but LSU, LSU's here. LSU is here and ready to play. And, and, and the bats they have, are threatening throw home. Plus, LSU leads 2 0. Safe 2 0. End of yep. men on third. No outs. Men top of the second. Like the corners, top of the second. And 31 pitches thrown for three By outs. Not good. That not good. is not an ideal statistic. 31 no, it's pitches, not. three outs, two runs, and two men on. So not, not an ideal start in a very, very important series for Vanderbilt. Yeah. So again, we talked about it. It's weird previewing a series as we're watching game one. Uh, let's just keep watching. And, uh, you know, because it's kind of weird previewing it when we're as we're watching it. Uh, but, well, it can't be overstated as important as it is. Uh, Vanderbilt's in. They're in the tournament. And we don't get to talk about that a lot with especially not football uh, and even basketball. We were not really able to talk we had a f- some discussions uh but it was really all nit you know those last couple weeks so uh, lsu and vandy going on right now uh as we speak and will will continue to keep us updated uh on the vandy boys in, in that one and well let's move on we- we've got a little bit more to talk about uh, we- we've got some basketball to touch on obviously the boston Celtics are uh wow well three run home run actually right now by lsu uh they now lead five to nothing in the top of the second, so not not the best start. We sh- I don't think we should ever record a live episode again uh, during a Dude, Vanderbilt baseball game. Should we just stop? Bad bad luck. This Vi- is, wow vibes <laughs> vibes are awful. Vibes are not immaculate right oh, now. Oh gosh, this is this is tough. I don't even know what to say anymore. Uh, Vanderbilt, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you right now. Uh, we will never record a live episode ever again uh, because of this exact reason. I knew we'd be bad luck. And before you know it, LSU leads 5 nothing in the top of the second. Oh, man. Well, let's talk basketball. Let's just finish. Let, let's just wrap it up. Uh, Scottie Pippen Jr. He has, uh, I talked about yeah. the Celtics. They, uh, they've been impressing. Uh, Will did they did did the Heat win Game One? I forgot. Did, did the yes, they did. And I'm Even not being Neesmith, sarcastic. I'm, actually, yeah. Aaron no, Neesmith. They, How he, about Aaron Neesmith? Aaron Neesmith. That is uh, what I'm going to speak about. Uh, I meant I meant to put that I meant to put that, that on the script on the script. But yeah, the rest about, of that the rest of that game was very frustrating. Uh, outside, yeah, tough scene of uh, outside of Neesmith's performance, who he does not see a lot of action for the Celtics. So, how just many in games case, did he recap, play in? Before that series, his series appearance a couple I, nights ago. I don't think he had played outside of mop-up time in the playoffs thus far. But what wow. I was going to get to is, so if you have not followed the Boston Celtics season extremely heavily, uh, as most of you have probably not, they are a very like, interesting. Te- they are a very interesting team to follow if you are a fan of 
Tennessee sports or SEC sports or Vanderbilt. They have three guys from the mid-state, or not mid-state, but from the state of Tennessee's SEC Mm -hmm. teams on their roster. They have Grant Williams, who is heavily in the rotation. They have Aaron Neesmith, uh, who they drafted. And obviously, well, not obviously, I'm explaining what's happening, but game one, Marcus Smart and Al Horford were both out. So Aaron Neesmith saw some necessary minutes, and he didn't shoot great, but he came out and made some really good defensive plays. I think we shared some of those blocks. If you go check them out on the Mm -hmm. uh, Door Report Twitter, at door underscore report shameless plug there uh, since we plug. are live streaming i don't know i don't know how many that's going to gain us since we are currently live streaming on that account uh <laughs> but they also have the forgotten man uh which is luke cornett which is probably my favorite vanderbilt personality ever i absolutely love luke cornett so they'll they'll randomly put out videos with him uh, in the warmups or, or doing st- or warming up alongside Jason Tatum and always Luke Cornett. He has kind of a cult following, just a little bit uh, of Celtics fans up there. So if you're looking for an NBA team, there's no NBA team in Nashville. The Celtics, as if they need more fans, but I'm pitching for the fan base here. They're a fun team to follow because you'll be familiar with a few of the guys that are on the roster already. Um, in Grant Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and Luke Cornett. And that game is also currently going on right now, Billy. There we go. Uh, we are picking Man, a tough, very, very tough. busy time. Uh, this, is just, this is just an awful time to record. But, uh, but Will, <laughs> is, is, am, I, am I wrong in this, or is Matt Ryan, the former Vanderbilt sharpshooter, on the Celtics roster? Because I've seen him on the bench. I, I, I'm positive I've seen Matt Ryan, the former Vanderbilt player, on the Celtics bench. I don't know if he is okay. On the roster. This is like going. This is going to make me sound really ignorant. As I did not know that, but yes, it I looks will, like he is. Uh, the only reason I knew that was because I, I saw him in, during a timeout. He was walking in street. Okay, clothes. so there's another one. He was there's another it, local uh, local product on that roster randomly. It's that uh, Tennessee to Boston pipeline they always talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what they always talk about. But, well, let's get to Scottie Pippen Jr. He has been very impressive in the NBA Combine. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the clips uh, from today in the scrimmage, but uh, he had one of his classic where he'll drive right side of the lane, uh, fake towards, act like he's shooting a layup, and then kind of shoot his fadeaway jumper. Uh, I saw a stat. I don't know if this is official right now. He had 11 points at one time. In that game I don't know if that's what he finished with um but well Scotty Pippen needs this and we talked about this you had a really good point on this uh I think it was in our last episode it might have been 160 but more than really any other player I think in this draft there are obviously other players that uh will need to have a good performance in the combine but for Scotty Pippen Jr it just feels like on a stage like this one where they show the combine on whatever it is NBA TV I know the clips are all over ESPN and on Twitter uh, but for him to impress helps him a lot, I think. Now, he, he's he's done a lot at Vanderbilt, but I'm not sure if that's enough for NBA scouts. I think he ends up getting drafted, Will. I, I'm going to stick by my, my point of, of I think he's going to get picked in the second round, probably later in the second round as LSU gets another base hit in the top of the second. Um, but I, I just think, I think he's going to get drafted, Will, but I think it's going to be mainly because not because of his production at Vanderbilt, but because of the proof in the pudding of what he will do and has done in the combine. And I know you made a really good point about that, um, and I completely agreed with it because what he's able to show scouts live and in person in a combine setting 
I think means a little bit more than, you know, what you've seen on TV. Obviously that he's, he's played really well against teams like Kentucky and Tennessee. So that matters. Now I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay anything he's done at the college level. Uh, but we've said it before and I'll say it again, Will, he needs this and he needs a good performance and he's done it. So I think it can help him a lot. And, and you, you've already talked about that. Yes. Yeah, Scotty Pippen jr. Is in, a very unique situation, which is he has all this film that he's put up for three years at Vanderbilt. He scored, however, over a thousand career points and is in the top five in all these statistical statistical categories and all-time Vanderbilt record books. And his most of where he's going to be selected and or if he's going to be selected is going to come down to probably 100 total minutes maximum a five-on-five play with a bunch of dudes he's never played with before, which is insane. The process of drafting these guys is idiotic. As someone that has played basketball, you can literally have a week where I've seen guys that are some of the best basketball players that I've ever seen. I certainly was not even close to one of the best basketball players I've ever seen at the local YMCA. I'm probably not one of the best basketball players they've ever seen. But there are guys that will just have a week where their shot's off or they're not used to playing with this guy or this guy, especially someone like Scottie Pippen Jr., who's so pick and roll heavy. He is so dependent on having a guy that knows how to crash towards the board and knows how to roll off of that screen or pop correctly. And so this whole process, and I think he actually performed well today. So I don't, all of this being said, I think he's helped himself. um, And I want to get into a few different articles that actually had pegged him as one of the top five players needing to perform well in order to improve his draft stock. But he is tied to these five on five scrimmages just because of the talent level that surrounded him at Vanderbilt and his win loss record. And the big question marks, like I mentioned on episode 160, I'll repeat them here again. Uh, since since we might as well, it's going to be a beefy episode regardless. Yes. Uh, he's He's got to work on those turnovers. And how much of those turnovers were related to him being surrounded by guys that really weren't even high-level Division One basketball players, much less real NBA prospects? And how much of that was just bad and poor, sloppy decision-making? He also had one of the top usage rates in the entire country. And one of the questions around him was, is he efficient enough to be a true point guard in the NBA? And that relates to shot, not just turnovers, but shot selection, his field goal percentages, his percentages at the line. So how much was his decline in free throw percentage just due to him being beat up? I mean, he's not going to be utilized anywhere close to that rate early in his NBA career, especially. So how much of that at the line was just him trying to take a break, knowing he's got to play 35, 36 minutes of controlling the ball, 98% of possessions down the court. And how much of that was, I don't know, the yips. Other than that, free throws are kind of one of those things you don't usually see guys get worse at, especially a good shooter like Scottie Pippen Jr. at the guard position. But another thing is his shooting percentages overall drop. And even though his stats looked better and and didn't drop too much, but they didn't improve. And that was a question mark and something I think he was returning to improve. And a lot of that had to do with he was the main focus of every single defense that he played against. And that is never going to be the case when he's in the NBA. I think even the top projections of where me and you and any NBA draft prospect would peg him would not be the number one scorer on an NBA roster. 
And so I think that is going to be something that, that draft scouts can find valuable is not just a guy that was a point guard, not just a guy that was a shooter, not just a guy that was a scorer, but a guy in the second round that was truly that number one go-to scoring option and has had the pressure of being the main focus of the opponent's defense. And instead, now you can shift him into a tertiary role of a scorer. Man, if you have a slasher and a driver that can make good decisions, and that is a question that he's going to have to answer in these five-on-five scrimmages, can he avoid the turnovers? But if he can make those good decisions, those little moves that he has and that turnaround and that fall away, and if he can develop the consistent outside jump shot, because there is one reason, Billy, and we watched a lot of him in college. I know Vanderbilt fans did, but there's one reason why Grant Williams has found his way onto the court for the Boston Celtics over guys that were certainly drafted above him and had have bigger contracts. And that is because he has developed a consistent knockdown outside jump shot on top it's of playing good defense. Seven threes. He, he is consistent, and he has been consistent, and he's found a role. Aaron Neesmith has not really been able to work into the rotation as well. Granted, he's playing at more of a crowded position there in Boston with Jalen mm-hmm. Brown, Jason Tatum directly above him at that same exact position. But he hasn't really been consistent when he's been in the game. That is where Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to make his draft stock and and be able to improve. If he can come in, he has a pretty jump shot. It looks good out of his hand and he can get it off, and he has moves, but is he going to be able to convince an NBA team that he can be a consistent knockdown shooter in the NBA? Because it's six foot two, and he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He's going to have to be a shooter. He, he's not going to be able to get away with all these drives and taking the ball to the basket and being a volume shooter from the outside. So that's going to be the number one question that he's trying to answer. And uh, as, as we get reports come in from, the, from those guys, they stream it on NBA TV, which is not included in the Hulu Live TV package, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, I cannot That's watch it, but I'm keeping up with it on Twitter. But every time that we see anything about Scotty, we'll be sure to pass it along. Uh, no no doubt. Twitter. No doubt. And, Will, I'll, I'll agree with you and say that Scotty Pippen Jr. is a player that, you know, he was the guy at Vanderbilt. He's not going to be the guy on any single NBA team that picks him up. And he is also going to play. I think he's going to fit well in a system that already plays well together. And if he is inserted into a system, I'm not going to throw a team out there. I have no clue what team fits him best. But I think if you throw him into a system where maybe he's a backup point guard or maybe in in the rotation at the combo guard position, he could play well. I really I I can see him maybe not right away, but I think, you know, kind of like a a Grant Williams trajectory uh, and even maybe not Darius Garland, but year two, year three in the NBA. Maybe he starts to find a niche as LSU has started to find a niche. They now take a six nothing lead on Vanderbilt. So uh, that's that's, uh, it. It just keeps getting worse. I think they're I think they're waiting for us to stop uh, because they they just they can't play carnage. Yeah, they can't play with us recording live. I get it. I get it. We're, it's something uh, every- about me being around LSU. I don't know what it is because when I was in Nashville for that offensive explosion and the famous Joe Burrow celebration, so something about me being around LSU just, just their bad offense mojo. goes crazy. Just I don't. I don't know mojo. what it is. I don't know what it is either, but uh, well, again, c- just early congrats because I think my prediction is that Scotty Pippa Jr. is going to get drafted. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say I would bet on it, but that's what I that's what I think. <laughs> I can will probably happen. find you those odds. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you want me to find we'll, them. Uh, 
if you want to. But, uh, but Will, again, he, he's a guy. I, I agree with everything you said, Will. He's a guy that if he finds the right system and the right team, he's a guy that can have success. And, and, and that's a lot of players. But for Scottie Pippen Jr., the right situation matters a lot, and the NBA Combine matters a lot to him. And he's he's playing pretty well. He, he's he's playing better than I think a lot of people might have expected. But uh, you know, he, he's 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 been that kind of player, just consistent, of course, at Vanderbilt. We'll see if he can keep that up, uh, of course, in the NBA level, wherever he plays and wherever he is potentially drafted. Uh, but well, our last topic—it's probably not going to be our last topic, uh, the last thing we talk about. But uh, Reese Mooney has has decommitted from Vanderbilt, and. Uh, this was this was a couple nights ago. Um, I think was it like it wasn't. Yeah, it was a couple nights ago. Um, and well, I, I was initially surprised, but I wouldn't say I was shocked or stunned. Um, you know, simply because of the fact that, well, for one, Vanderbilt's quarterback room is pretty crowded. Maybe not with a whole lot of talent, but the, but it is crowded. And two, AJ Swan's performance in the spring game. And, you know, I'm not going to say he looked at that performance and said, oh, Swan's going to be the guy in the next three or four years. I don't want to be behind him. Maybe he did. But I actually I, I this is, you know, a lot of this was off the record. But, you know, Reese Mooney and I actually talked right after he decommitted and it just simply wasn't a, a good fit. It turned out to not be a great fit. And, you know, it might have been a good fit, you know, a couple months ago, a few months ago. But, well, he's a Louisiana guy. I don't know how many Vanderbilt players, uh, how many Vanderbilt players are from Louisiana. I know there's not many of them, so there's not many players that Vanderbilt coaches have been able to pull all the way down from Louisiana up Kalijah to Nashville. Lipscomb Kalijah Lipscomb is one for sure. That's one, uh, but there's not many. And I think he also wanted to play baseball and football and be a student athlete at Vanderbilt. That has never been done. Uh, I maybe basketball it has, and football has been done. I, I not, don't know about. Not I don't know baseball. about baseball. I don't, yeah, I don't know ba- about baseball. I don't think it's ever been. I don't think but it's I know ever Jamie been done. Graham, I think, is a name that did both um, yeah. at, at one time. But yeah, that we'll, was football. That's yeah. interesting, Billy. We might have to dig into that a little. Yeah, bit. we might. We might have to. Maybe uh, that might be a, uh, get a guest maybe, on that was a historian that may uh, be able to go and break down through the history, Billy. Can you think of anybody that hasn't I, I, in a while? I, I can't, but maybe there's a 70-year-old, 80-year-old former Vanderbilt football and baseball player that's sitting here listening saying, hey, don't you guys forget about me. But uh, <laughs> Willie Donick is another guy, Will. We've had him on the show. He played basketball and football, but not – no, basketball and baseball, actually. He didn't play football. He played basketball and baseball. So we have not found a combo of baseball – in football yet uh maybe there yeah, is a guy searched far and wide in our brains <laughs> or between our three brain cells billy we were unable to come up with it so we'll, we'll get the doorport staff uh on that and that was a joke by the way the doorport doesn't really have a staff and it's well, me and most, billy we'll do the research you, you on said, that one or maybe we'll our, sit shoal or Braden on it uh, you said our three our, brain cells i don't know how many brains, brains. <laughs> i don't think we have any brain cells working right now like I, I think it's it's pretty bad right now, but uh, but yeah, well, Reese Mooney has decommitted. Um, I you know I don't think this is going to send shockwaves through uh, the Vanderbilt football program. He's a good player. He's a really good athlete, uh, really good baseball player, um, and, and you know he's going to go try to find a better fit. And you know we're not going to be. I it's ridiculous when you see older people bashing. 
recruits who decommit from their school. I think it's really sad to see. I think it's an absolute joke. Uh, so, Reese, if you're listening, anybody that has bashed you, uh, know that we're on your side. We're not going to sit here and, and, and bash an 18-year-old for a decision he's made. Uh, that, yeah, just know, Reese, that, the if, best that if anybody's his. giving you a hard time, we agree with them. And uh, we, we are giving you a hard time now. Billy, I'm, of course, in total agreement with you. Oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, with all, in all due respect to, to Reese, uh, good luck with, with the rest of his career. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to find a better home. Maybe I won't say better home. I hate yeah, that. maybe rephrase that. Was, that, was, that, was bad. that was bad. Uh, he's going to find a more suitable home for him. Uh, that, better, that was a little bit, a little bit better, better, better fit. So, well, anything else though on Reese? Um, again, they they may go out and find a quarterback in in the twenty twenty three class. They may not. I don't think they necessarily have to, uh, because of kind of I don't know if you call it a logjam, but you've got AJ Swan, you've got Drew Dickey, you've got Walter uh, Walter Taylor, I think is his name, that also committed um, in the twenty twenty two class. So. Uh, you know, obviously with Kenny Minchie not committing to Vanderbilt and, and Marcel Reed going the other way, I think Reese Mooney was a guy that Vanderbilt fans would have liked to keep potentially as kind of a, you know, maybe not a safety valve, but just another solid quarterback. But he's gone now. So uh, that's uh, Reese Mooney is going uh, other directions. And uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck the, to him. That's the tough part of recruiting. And that's the difference in NFL and, and college football is the main difference in how rosters are built is depth at the quarterback position. So there are a lot of people that say that if they ran an NFL team, that they would draft a quarterback almost every single season, at least at some point, find one that they like, take a shot. And the more shots that you take, quarterbacks are basically lottery tickets. There's a very small percentage that work out, whether we're talking about recruiting or talking about draft picks. And of course, the lottery ticket has a better chance of hitting the higher star rating the guy is or the higher round that the guy's graded out at. But a lottery ticket is a lottery ticket nonetheless. So Vanderbilt, this isn't necessarily, I would say, a recruiting loss that we're ever going to feel or or look back and say what could have been necessarily. But I think that he probably made a good decision. I think that not enough college or high school age athletes that are being recruited, they're hearing the sweet nothings being whispered into their ear by these recruiters and by the coaches. And I've never been recruited, I'll tell you that. So this is not coming from experience, but they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They are going to tell you, yes, there's this path so you can see the field. But here's one thing about quarterback that's different than any other position. There's one of them that can start and be the guy. And typically, the guy that starts and is the guy is not the guy for just one year. He's the guy for multiple years. And not only do you have A.J. Swan, who's a highly touted guy coming in ahead of you, you also have Mike Wright and still on the roster, Ken Seals, and you have Walter Taylor, as you mentioned. So I think Reese Mooney probably just looked and realistically said, it's not like Vanderbilt, no offense. I am a, will be a Vanderbilt fan until the day I die. But Vanderbilt's not exactly a glorious program, prestigious program that gets you a lot of clout to commit to first off. Okay, so that's one thing that guys will often commit for for the wrong reason. And a good example of that, I would say, is Justin Fields committing to the local school there in Georgia. There was no path for him to see the field with Fromm already established as the starting quarterback. And he decided to commit there anyway and then transfer after not winning the starting job over the incumbent starter who had led them to the heights that he had led them to. So obviously not to that extent, but Reese Mooney committed early. 
I think he objectively took a step back. And it's not like he got an offer, at least that I see, very recently on 24-7 sports and then immediately decommitted. And it's not like he was shopping around, it seems like. So, and not like I have any issue with that regardless. I mean, these guys are choosing basically how and as the train comes by billy we almost there's made the train we the all, whole oh episode goodness. billy so close Dang. well that all that was almost a record-breaking episode of not hitting the train oh my gosh it's been 53 minutes we almost well, imagine making an hour without hitting the train and and, and will is that was as long that was as long as that train ever spins in between and it's about <sighs> to blow the horn it's about to blow again and uh, Will Will mutes it uh, as uh, as he looks over at the TV. Vanderbilt losing to LSU right now, six to nothing. Um, but Will, I know you got a little bit more on Reese Mooney, but uh, this this is not some sort of a you know shaking of a decommitment to a program. I think it's a little bit of a hit, but this isn't something where you know Clark Lee now needs to quickly uh, hit the drawing board again with Barton and say. Where's the next quarterback? They've got some, you know, they, they maybe they do do that. Maybe they add a late quarterback, but you're not going to add a guy to the stature of Reese Mooney and, and something that he had going. Um, so, and there's no harm in that, Will. There really isn't. Um, and there's some prospects out there, especially locally. Uh, Trent Dilfer's latest protege, Hank Brown, is uh, I think he's class of 2024, I want to say. So that's more down the road. But there are prospects locally that I think Clark Lee, Barton Simmons, the staff can continue to, to keep on their radar and look at. We'll continue to try to uh, keep and monitor those. But Hank Brown at Lipscomb is another one of those guys, Will, that maybe down the road he's a potential guy that Vanderbilt gets in early on and, and, and sees what's going on there. But they don't yeah, need also, – I also a, think that maybe – and this is, this is my pitch to Clark Lee and Barton Simmons. So this, this is – you don't have to agree with me on this. At all. At Vanderbilt, there is absolutely no reason why Vanderbilt should be recruiting and focusing on bringing in freshman quarterbacks. Like, this whole idea is crazy to me. Vanderbilt is perfect to be a transfer target for a starting quarterback. Everything about Vanderbilt screams transfer target for a starting high-caliber quarterback. Guy that is coming to a situation, obviously Riley not Neal. caliber, but it, yeah, Jesus Christ, bit better <laughs> than Riley Neal. All right, this this is what I'm talking hey, come about. On. Like obviously, right now, <laughs> obviously right now, like they can't do exactly what they want to do. So maybe this is in the pipeline and in the works. But it's the same thing that I say about punter and the same thing I say about kicker. Is Vanderbilt should have the best damn graduate transfer punter and kicker every year because they are offering guys that most likely are not going to be NFL players free grad school at Vanderbilt, which is worth a hell of a lot more than free grad school at like 99.9% of other FBS football programs. And wait, you'll also be kicking in huge environments. You don't have to give up on that side. So that's why I always say that Vanderbilt has underutilized the grad transfer market because Number two, you want to know what a majority of students at Vanderbilt University are? Graduate students, Billy. That's that's a vast majority of students. I, I do not understand why Vanderbilt is not consistently the oldest damn team 
in college athletics, especially with the extended eligibility the NCAA is allowing. Vanderbilt should be full of 23, 24-year-olds. I don't understand why they're not, because they can just shove them into the one of the hundreds of graduate programs they have. They have so many options there, and it just and so much flexibility as far as, you know, what do we really want to have this guy doing that's transferring in for one semester of, of yeah, football? How, yeah. You know, how it's strenuous. And that's the part of university support. And I'm probably saying things that are, that are being talked about and Barton Simmons and Clark Lee are saying, if only, if only we could get that uh, to be that easy. And I'm making it sound like it's an effortless process to convince yeah, guys I, I don't to know come do grad easy. school at Vanderbilt. It's not that easy. But the fact that like this is the first time that I think this recruitment strategy has really been like brought up whatsoever. Yeah. I don't I don't hear anybody talking about or writing about the fact that Vanderbilt has been horrendous in the transfer market outside of Liam Robbins and QMB on the basketball side. I mean, what impact moves has Vanderbilt and it need, been it able needs to, to be make changed. It, anywhere in the football program? And obviously the baseball program is a whole different story. Yeah, they don't, that's, they don't that's, have to look that direction. That's one of the many things, Will, about Vanderbilt University. And we've had big episodes like this that that has to be changed. The, that aspect of the administration if athletics and Daniel Deermeyer want to be elevated and he want to be ahead, looked at of my overarching point, Billy, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that it must be changed. And we've talked about that before. Like, you know, we, we've said stuff like that before. And I do want to have an episode where we just kind of look well, at that's, that's the what administration. I to tease we here. have, yeah, it tease it. Because here we go. This has been my, this has been my, since we have not recorded for a week and a half, Billy, you've left me way too much time to just oh. jot down notes. So the big the big thing is that we have always complained about and what mostly led to me messaging you on Twitter and this podcast beginning really is that in general, the Vanderbilt sports media is not very brutal on the university. And a lot of that is not the Vanderbilt sports media's fault. That it, that is their jobs. They have to have press pass access. The university can make their life a living hell and literally ruin their livelihoods and they've done it. They have done it to people that have been critical of them and called them out for their bullshit. And so I think right now you are seeing a shift and this is the time when everyone needs to be very vocal about it in that the university is being very open about its plans to improve the athletic program. And all of this is fantastic with the stadium upgrades and the athletic facility upgrades. And it seems like you're starting to get a little bit of unified support behind these programs. And that's awesome. None of that matters until something is done about the obvious, just like, I don't know. It's kind of like the steroid era. Like what, why has Vanderbilt been so damn bad in the transfer market in football? And th- why is it always guys transferring out and every single player that is transferring in and has been transferring in for, this is not just Clark Lee. This is not just Eric Mason. This is not just since the eligibility change. This is years and years and years and years. There is no reason when you objectively list out how Vanderbilt could sell that graduate program and how they could sell that football program as a target for transfers. The fact that that is not done in any way just points to the administration is doing something. 
And I don't know what it is. I don't know what restrictions they are placing on eligibility of guys being able to enroll in grad school from other universities with differing degrees. And maybe necessarily they have these extremely strict requirements. I'm sure they do. But you have to bend them. And this is what is going to be the big breaking point of people that graduated from Vanderbilt and people that did not graduate from Vanderbilt. So I did not graduate from Vanderbilt. But in order to compete in athletics, everyone talks about finding a path and and doing things and finding a way. There is no other way. Vanderbilt is either going to allow these guys to transfer in and actually give Clark Lee and the rest of this staff, and honestly, the rest of the programs outside of baseball, because baseball doesn't have these same eligibility issues, or not eligibility, but just getting them into the university issues. But in order to give them a fighting chance, it has absolutely nothing to do with their facilities. It has nothing to do with optics. All that is just these these blinders to the real problem. So we are going to see if they are going to be able to point towards the amount of money that they have pumped into this to whoever is in charge of the decision-making process of allowing these student-athletes to transfer in for purposes of being a scholarship athlete. They are going to have these this $200 million project and these $50 million other projects. They're going to point to those and say, look, we've pumped this money in. Now we have to bring in some guys that can actually play on the damn field and win some damn games with the $200 million that we've spent. Because this yeah. is, this has been a lot of, I, I cannot wait to do an episode on this in, a, in like oh, mid-July we will. when there's we will. nothing else to talk about. Because uh, this this has been a beefy episode, Billy. We've been going live for over an hour, and we still have yeah. uh, we still have segment two with Rhett. Yeah, we still have segment two with Rhett later tonight. <laughs> Will uh, somehow, some way, I, I'm I'm going to get that interview in. It might be mid crash for me, but uh, Will, we will we'll do that. We are going to get a whole podcast into a deep dive into the ins and outs of the administration's connection to everything that goes on with athletics. You know, and you said no baseball. I think that does a little bit involve baseball. Now Corbin has, has kind of found wiggle room within that, but we will talk about all of that in, in a deeper episode, but will I got to go eat dinner. We got to go finish watching Vanderbilt. You got to, you got to watch the Celtics. That has been it. This is uh, we're just going to go ahead and see. I think Vanderbilt's going to come on a comeback here right if we end this, by the way. So uh, that that does it. Bottom of the third. Let's mark it. Bottom of the third. Andy is sitting with two outs down six, nothing. Spencer Jones up to bat. Uh, We're ending uh, segment one of episode 162. So we'll see if we are truly the curse. We'll see. And if it is, we are not allowed to record during a Vanderbilt game. No, we're not. Or at least during a Vanderbilt baseball game. Ever. We're not. I think Vandy comes back, and it's because of uh, the fact that we're not on the air anymore. So yeah, the, the other sports, if it. we went by that logic, it would be we uh, be allowed to record. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't, yeah. It uh, the same. They curse we'd themselves. Have, we'd, have, we'd have to terminate the podcast. All right. Well, that does it for episode the first segment of episode one sixty two of the Door Report, powered by Locko Finewood Floors. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick, and I'm now happy to be joined by Rhett Wiseman, the national champion Vandy boy, of course, from 2014. Is He's uh, been on a little bit of a hiatus. Hiatus, that's been my fault. That's been the Door Report's fault. But we finally got Mr. Rhett Wiseman back. And 
Uh, Rhett uh, jokingly tweeted, I said, uh, as, as the LSU beatdown continues, we've got you back on the podcast to calm the nerves a little bit, uh, li- like you know how to do. Uh, so you got a tough task tonight, calming the Vandy boys fans' nerves, because uh, they need it right now. Oh, Billy, thanks for having me as always. Love coming on. Look forward to it. Um, you know, again, how many games, how many series we got to win and one loss? We can't let it, you know, take over. We're in a great spot. We're, we're in the driver's seat for this thing. And it's just one game at a time. Take, you know, keep in mind, it's it's Devin uh, Futrell's first ever home SEC start in his t- entire career. He's still a baby, right? You know, everyone's forgetting all the times that Bueller got crushed at home or, or Fulmer lost games. It happens. Everyone take a deep breath. It'll be okay. <laughs> I love it. The Aaron Rodgers relax. We, we need to get, uh, get Rhett Wiseman to coin that right now. But uh, <laughs> Will, Will Byron and I, my co-hosts, were talking earlier about how, uh, you know, Vanderbilt had a huge series win over Arkansas, took two out of three, um, you know, and obviously that's, that's huge. That's awesome. Uh, but at the same time, you still got a series at home left, uh, you know, to play against an LSU team that's that's coming into Nashville after getting swept by Ole Miss last weekend. So the SEC, as you know, Rhett, never slows down. Um, so, you know, in, in the course of a season, uh, you know, you, you, you get a sweep. Say you get a sweep or you get a two out of three series win. There's really no time to, to, to dwell on it too much or celebrate it or even be down on yourself. So it kind of evens itself out. When, when you lose a game, you're able to play another game in a couple days. When you get a series sweep or a series win, you got to get right back at it and, and try to keep that rolling. So uh, we've talked to, with you about this kind of stuff a lot, but how tough is that to kind of, uh, if you got the bus rolling, how tough is it to kind of keep it on the right track, especially this time of year? Yeah, Billy, it's it's just about consistency. You have to just be consistent in your emotions. Uh, in this league, it's very easy to just ride the highs, and it's very easy to just ride the lows all the way down and keep going until you're, you know, out and done, done and and dead and gone. Um, so, but the the same goes for when you're winning, when you're winning, when you're winning, right? You, you look at look at what we're watching tonight. You have Vandy coming off of a, a series on the road, taking a a road series from a number from a top five team, and I think Arkansas had won what like. 18 or 19 straight home series. Um, so that's just crazy. Uh, Vandy goes in there and they absolutely just, they own the environment. They own everything. Then they come home and they face an LSU team who got swept by a bad old miss team. Now old miss is playing well, but you know, they've been, it's the worst team they've had in, in 20 years at old miss. And then LSU comes into Vandy and, and, and they're up, you know, 11 to two. So this game, you have to just stay consistent. Everybody's good. Every team is good. Just an off weekend here an off weekend. There doesn't represent a team as a whole. And, you know, this is just an off night for Vandy. It happens. It's a game. It's a young team. And and that's the stuff that they'll learn. Uh, Rhett, Enrique Bradfield, you know, we've talked about him a lot, uh, of course, throughout the course of this season since you've been on. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we do it enough. I, I know, you know, we've we've talked, we've mentioned him every time you've came on, but 
He's 41 for 41 on the base pass. I mean, the weekend he had against Arkansas last weekend, uh, his average, I think, was around 282, 90. He got it all the way up to about 332 in the 330 range over the course of one weekend. It's pretty incredible. Uh, do you remember a, a Vanderbilt baseball player in the past you know, decade or so under Tim Corbin uh, that makes more of an impact when he's on the base pass like he does because it feels like when he gets on first base, boy, not just the pitcher, but everybody is on high alert when he's on first base. No, I mean, he's he's a one in a in a in a, you know, decade type player. Uh, Not only do I not remember anybody in a Vanderbilt uniform, I don't remember anybody I've ever played against, ever played with, that is that explosive. I, he's a game changer. It's it's as if you have you know somebody else who can hit home runs and hit doubles. He's he has so much ability to impact a game and change a game with just his speed. First of all, you don't see that anymore. There there aren't genuine. Uh, base stealers anymore. It's a dying art, and for him to have 41 bags is just crazy. He's one of, if not the best player in all of college baseball, in my opinion, Um, and he just has the ability to carry the whole team. Personally, I've never seen anything like it uh, as far as his ability to carry a whole team without having a plus-plus power tool. You look at guys that can carry teams offensively. And usually those guys look like JJ Blade. They look like uh, Austin Martin. They look like guys who hit, you know, mid 350s to close to 400 with incredible doubles numbers or insane home run numbers and, and super high slugging, super high OPS. That's not Enrique Bradfield. Now, is he second on the team in home runs? Yeah, he is because he's just such an unbelievably good contact hitter. Players that make contact, they miss balls and they can hit them out. Um, but one of the great things about Enrique is his speed just plays up so much because he can just get on base and impact games that way. There's no such thing um, as a as a single. A single turns into a double. A double turns into a triple. A single turns into a triple. And like we saw last week. Um, you know, uh, a walk or a single can turn into a home run when he steals home. So, um, you know, definitely one of the most explosive players in the game. And um, it's just so fun to watch. No doubt about it. And, and you know, they're going to need him to, to really perform the rest of this weekend. I think he's 0 for 4 tonight. And, and you know, that's a situation where, say, Enrique goes 4 for 4 tomorrow night. That could really change the trajectory of this team. And you look at last weekend, and even the midweek game against MTSU, he was 4 for 4 with a walk. And all weekend, it felt like he was getting on base every time. So, Rhett, is Enrique the type of player for this team? That, obviously, he's a spark plug. He's a, he's the he's the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, but when you look at him, is, is it a situation where you say, okay, if Enrique's on, this team's usually on? You know, I don't, I don't know about that because he's on ev- what seems like every at bat, you know, and and the team isn't, um, they're not fifty one and zero, right? <laughs> he, he, as much as he can carry a team, he's not the whole team. You need the guys behind him to step up, and you need the guys behind him to to play well too. Um, you'll see Jack Bulger is 
is playing great hitting in that two hole that is without a doubt the the best place to hit in in perhaps the entire country because with bulger he is a really good contact hitter um and he's going to get all fastballs because nobody wants to throw any off speed with with bradfield on base Guys don't want to mess around. They have to go right after Bulger all the time. They have to be super fast to the plate. They can't give the attention to Bulger that they may want to keep uh, that attention with him. And they have to throw fastballs because they throw breaking balls. They might miss in the dirt. It's an automatic second base. If they throw balls that take a while to get to the plate, 70 miles an hour, low 80 miles an hour, 69 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, it takes too long to get to the plate. It's an automatic stolen base. The catcher's not even going to have a chance to throw guys out. So being in that two-hole is huge. Spencer Jones obviously killing it, um, having a, a historical season uh, in that three-hole, and he's been great. And then Dom Keegan, who's just Mr. Consistency every single year with the great bat, and uh, he's got the power tool. He's got the contact tool, and – um, I think the success of this team is going to completely be predicated on the the middle of the order and the bottom of the order. That's this team will be um, how, however far they go is going to be purely uh, determined by the bottom of this order from an offensive standpoint. I completely agree there, and and we'll get into offensively a little bit later, Rhett, but I want to go to pitching a little bit, and specifically this weekend, uh, Corbin decided to give Carter Holton a, a weekend rest after uh, I don't think he had a, a full weekend rest uh, throughout the season. That's similar to what he did with Jack Leiter last season, uh, but you saw him off, and Christian Little now inserts the equation on, uh, on, on Friday night, tomorrow night. And tonight you saw Fetrell struggle. You saw Riley struggle a little bit. Uh, and now you got McIlvain, who's going to go on Saturday in game three. Uh, you know, you've seen this before with Corbin. Uh, he did it when, when, when you were playing 2014, 2015, of, of course, 13 too, where kind of towards the end of the season, if they need a switch up like this, he'll do it. I mean, no matter when, you know, when, when, when they are uh, in the season, where they are in the season, he will switch things up. Why in particular do you think he decided to give Holton the rest and then maybe play around a little bit with maybe let's let's throw Little in on, on Friday night and just mix it up? Uh, why, why do you think uh, Corbin decided to do that this weekend? Well, number one, with Holton, you, you have to give him a week off. He's a freshman coming off of 118 pitches. Complete game shutout last weekend at seven innings. You have to. He's he's never thrown that many pitches. He's never thrown this consistently in his career. Um, you have to give him a break. If him out there again this weekend, it's it's a recipe for disaster. He's going to be your guy in the postseason. You have to give him rest. Um, I, I I think Coach Corbin also understands the value of the SEC tournament also. So now instead of uh, Holton pitching this weekend, he'll most likely start what I would imagine is game one of the SEC tournament would be my guess. Um, and, and that way they can, you know, that SEC tournament will have a huge impact on what the postseason picture looks like. So giving him a couple that's still going to have a huge impact on this team as far as where they're going to end up in the postseason by just pushing him back a couple days. Uh, Christian Little, you got to keep giving him opportunities. You have to keep putting him in high pressure situations and hope you can turn him into a diamond. That is what is going to get him to that next level. He's got so many tools. I would love to see Christian little get innings in every high pressure situation 
to try and just get him over that hump of, of being as good as he can be because he shows glimpses of greatness. So, you know, I love giving him the start tomorrow night. We're still going to be able to use Holton uh, next week in the SEC tournament. And, you know, we move McIlvain, who's got Friday night experience, to Sunday, and we try and sure up a win on Sunday. Brett, uh, they're playing on a Thursday night tonight. I, I know a few times your career you played on a Thursday night. Um, I'm sure, you know, of course, with exams over uh, at this point in the season, these guys could care less when they play, you know, if it's a Thursday night, a Tuesday night, a, a Sunday afternoon. How did you like playing on Thursday nights? Uh, of course, it was probably a little, maybe a little bit more difficult in season, uh, in school season at least, but after exams, uh, I'm sure it got a little bit easier. But for you as a player, did you enjoy playing on a, on, on a Thursday night? Billy, I loved it. I loved it. You know why? <laughs> why? Because there wasn't a game on Sunday, which means you could go out Saturday night. <laughs> and that's what we all used to love that. We'd have this weekend circled on the calendar, baby. We'd say Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. See ya, we're gone. So I love know, it. I love it's it. It's an opportunity we don't really have. You know, you're in season, you're 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 not going out, you're you're so strict on the schedule. You have school, you're you know, you, you don't go out, you don't socialize, you don't do anything. It's baseball, baseball, baseball. So having a season, having a, a you know, games like this where usually the last series of the year is always a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because you need to be able to save pitching for the Tuesday SEC uh, tournament. So I remember Saturday night, that last game, we'd all kind of go out, celebrate, end of the SEC, getting ready for the SEC tournament, good time to blow off steam, whether we win, lose, tie, draw, whatever it was, we kind of put a cap on the end of the season um, and, and be able to take that in with the guys. So – I loved it personally. It was the it was the best. We'd we'd have it circled. Now, Billy, back in my day, you know, back in my day, <laughs> we used to, this Thursday night was usually like the SEC game of the week. Yeah. Now people don't even know that because SEC Network has a million channels and everything's mm -hmm. streamed through SEC uh, Network Plus. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, back in the good old days. Uh, it was, you know, the ESPN would pick up your game on, th it'd be Thursday, Friday, you know, Saturday, that would be the series of the week. Um, which thankfully, you know, and, and we were blessed. We were on it a lot because we would, mm -hmm. would win a lot. We were really good. So we'd always play on it. So we love that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, schedule. Plus it gives everybody an extra day. You know, we have an extra day off between that Tuesday. It gives pitchers an extra day to throw. And, um, obviously it, it cuts them short a day on the front end but it gives them a day on the back end as far as rest goes. Rhett, I feel stupid asking you this, but I got to ask you about the 26-3, and three, the, the the record in, for, for best record of the SEC ever for a college baseball team. Were you on that team? Yes. Okay, okay, let's get that out of the way. I, I figured you were. I didn't want to start talking about it if you weren't on it. Um, there's a lot of talk right now about the Tennessee Volunteers, and, and deservedly so, uh, the way they're playing right now. Uh, they almost look unbeatable. They have been beaten, um, but they lost the series to Kentucky two games to three a couple weeks ago. And after they lost, I think it was after they lost game three, they, they were not eligible to have the best SEC record in the regular season uh, ever anymore. Vanderbilt, you know, there was a little bit of a celebration there from Vandy fans. But when you look at this Tennessee team and, and the way they've played, 
and kind of look back. Obviously, you were a freshman, I think, in, in that in that 2013 season. You look back and kind of sitting, being able to sit back and watch that 26 and three team, which is incredible. Who who who's better? I mean, there's a lot of talk about it right now. Obviously, going 26 and three is incredible. But when you, when you compare those two, it's probably might be a little bit tougher because of the eras potentially. Um, but being able to sit back and watch a 26 and three team in 2013 and kind of compare it to what Tennessee has done this year. Can you compare that? I don't know. It's a totally different era. It's different bats. It's different balls. It's dead balls back then. Um, you know, the league was different. The players were different. Um, but you know, the, the one thing I see about Tennessee, which was the one thing that happened with us, we didn't know how to lose, you know, that's a real thing. And you saw it that when Tennessee went to Kentucky, you know, you have to know how to lose. It's kind of funny to say, but the reason that we, we lost in the super regional that year in 2013 to Louisville was because we were playing at home in a super regional. We were national seed. I forget what we were ranked, maybe one, two, three, you know, whatever it was in the country. And we came in and we lost the first game of the super regional. And we were like dumbfounded. We had never lost, you know, a, a, a game. We, we didn't know how to lose. We were shell-shocked. And we came back the next day and we lost because we just didn't know how to lose. We didn't know to, how to come back from a loss. Um, so, you know, that is, a, that is a real thing. And that is a fate that is very, very real. Um, and, you know, I going 26 and 3 is great. I would have rather gone 20 and 10. You wouldn't uh, recommend it. <laughs> I would rather have gone 20 and 10 and had, you know, and wished that we as a unit would have been able to come back from losses better than we did because uh, we just, even in, even in the regional that year in, in 2013, we lost, uh, we lost one game in the regional and we had to fight back and play in an elimination game in a, in a regional championship. Um, so, and, and we were not, we were not a good team when it came to losing. So we just, that, that is a big part of it. And, and for Tennessee that I promise you, that's going to be their biggest, uh, adversary as they keep going one loss. And if they can't come back from it, you, it's devastating because you only get two losses. Yeah, you're right about that. It'll be fun to see how a lot of different things shake out in the postseason. But, Red, I got a couple more here before I let you go. Uh, for Vanderbilt to host a regional, I, I was talking about uh, earlier in our segment one about how I think they got to beat LSU uh, two out of three, or if it's a sweep, even better uh, to host a regional. And I think at this point, if they beat LSU this weekend, they'd be a lock, mainly because of their RPI. I mean, it's at three right now, which is pretty incredible, uh, you know, what they've done in the midweek. But for you, Rhett, you know, in terms of, you know, practically games they have to win, but also what you need to see from this team in the next couple games, uh, maybe, heck, even later tonight, um, but in the next couple games in Hoover, and then practically maybe how many games this team might need to win to host a regional. I know there's a lot there, but basically what, what is, what has to happen for this team to host a regional uh, here in a couple weeks? Yeah. Well, there's a couple different things that need to happen. Number one, they need to win the series at LSU. I think if they win the series at LSU and they put together just somewhat of a, of a decent 
showing at the SEC tournament, I think they're they're in. If they don't win the series at LSU this weekend, they have to m- maybe win the SEC uh, tournament to 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 be a top sixteen seed. So it'd be nice to not have to have the pressure to win the SEC tournament, considering that is the hardest tournament in the country. In my opinion, it's harder to win the SEC tournament than it is to win a national championship because the teams there are better and they know you better. Mm-hmm. You've played them during the season and they are monsters and playing in Hoover is so incredibly hard. You're playing games at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. with 95% humidity. You wake up in the morning, it's already 100 degrees. There's nobody at the games and the ball doesn't go anywhere. It's awful, awful to play there. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want that to be what is 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 mounting pressure on you. You want to be able to win this series, go to Hoover, get some good work in, win some games, have a good showing there. I think if they win this series and go to Hoover and have a good showing, they're going to be in great shape and have the opportunity to host at home. If they don't win this series, they have to really go far in the SEC tournament, and then I still don't think it's a lock unless they win the whole thing. Rhett, uh, you talked about you were bad-mouthing Hoover. I'm actually going to be down there for the first time next week ever. Um, and, you know, I'm excited, probably more so because I'm more of a Southern guy. You know, you being from Boston, it may not be the most appealing, especially for, you know, some of the other Vanderbilt players that, you know, they may not think of Hoover as, oh, can't wait to get down to Hoover and, and play in the SEC tournament. I'm excited, but what was it like? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but, you know, obviously some teams treat it as – uh, a tournament to where they can build momentum before a regional. Uh, some teams could care less. I mean, obviously, they that's not how they're treating it, but it sometimes feels like that where you see teams, uh, you know, they're two in barbecue, and, you know, then they make a run in, in the NCAA tournament, and the SEC tournament results simply don't matter. So, you know, overall, you know, did you enjoy playing there? And then secondly, uh what does it mean? Like what, what if people have said it's meaningless. Other people have said it really does matter. Um, so, so kind of as a whole, your perception of, of Hoover and playing there um, and, and kind of the emotions, what, how, what would you say there? You know, it's very intense and emotions run high because there's a lot of teams that have a lot to win and a lot to lose from that tournament. Vandy's going to have a ton to gain in that tournament. They're going to be really, really needing to win games. It's not going to matter for Tennessee. They could probably go two and Q out of that tournament and still be the best team in the country and still be number one. It doesn't really matter for them. Uh, so going into it, of course, everyone's going to be trying to win the tournament, but it's going to mean different things for different teams. If I'm Tennessee, I'm trying to get guys innings. I'm trying to get guys at bats. I'm trying to get guys ready for the big show. You know, you start the year. You don't want to win a, a conference championship. That's you want to win a national championship. The conference championship just comes with it. Um, in 2013, we lost in the championship final, and then we lost in a super regional. In 14, we got destroyed in the SEC tournament, got slaughter ruled by LSU. It was an embarrassment. Got our asses kicked by by Old Miss, and then won a national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, and then in 15, we lost in a in a in the SEC championship game final, and then went on to be the national runner up. So. It doesn't matter. You just have to make the most of the tournament. And, you know, the, the best thing for us in 14 was getting smoked because for us, it brought us together. We were like, wow, we stink. We need to like clean this up. We need to write this ship. We need to get this thing on the right path. And then in 15, we were trying to get guys ABs. We were 
I mean, if you go back and look at some of the box scores, we got guys in those games. We, we showed a ton of different players because we knew that we needed to use that tournament as a stepping stone for the national championship. We needed to get guys in the game who might have to play in the S in, in the NCAA tournament. We got to get them ABs. This is going to be the last time we're going to be able to get guys ABs and innings on the mound. So it's going to be really important for some teams. It's, it's going to be, not as important for other teams. You got to go with the intent on winning and 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 doing what's best for you for the NCAA tournament. That is which, that's my opinion on it. Which is the most important. I mean, not, really, nothing else matters other than regional supers and Omaha. Um, and then, of course, when you get to Omaha, boy, talk about a gauntlet. That's uh, that's quite the gauntlet, Rhett. And uh, you've seen it a couple times. And uh, we'll see if Vanderbilt has what it takes this year. There's a lot left on the table for them. And uh, they've got these next two games here at Nashville against LSU to, to kind of right the ship. Looking forward to postseason play, Rhett. We're really going to be amping it up with you. I know you're going to be locked in and getting excited for it, too. Thanks again for taking the time tonight. Billy, and Billy, uh, I just want to say this. And, and this is something that has been bothering me all week. I want to talk real quick. I know we're running out of time. I want to talk about the RPI this week. Here we go. Here okay. We go. I've never seen anything like it. And I just want to say that the teams that canceled their games this week because they were afraid to lose is the most cowardly, poor show of competitiveness I've ever seen. And I saw some great coaches this week cancel games. If I was a player on some of those teams, I probably wouldn't say another word to that coach for the rest of the year. You want to talk about being in a clubhouse where your manager, the guy who is, is, is running your ship, who you look to for guidance, you look to for support, doesn't believe in you enough to win a midweek game. I don't care who you're playing. It is an act of pure cowardice. It is ridiculous. And if I was that coach of, or any coach that canceled games this week based on RPI, I would be ashamed of myself. I think that is the biggest show of weakness and the an unbelievable lack of confidence in the guys in your locker room. I'd be ashamed if I was a player on that team. I'd be embarrassed of my coach. And obviously, it it wouldn't matter if you put these Vandy guys in a situation like that and said, if if we lose this midweek game, we're not going to the tournament at all. They still wouldn't cancel that game. I would uh, I, I'm I'm absolutely beside myself. And thinking about the players on that team, I might not even dress out on Friday night knowing that my coach didn't have confidence in me and the guys beside me to play in a midweek game. It's shameful. That's I, I think I think you couldn't have said it better, Red, and and that's kind of the Tim Corbin uh, in you. I think Tim Corbin has has instilled that in so many other players, um, and I know damn well Tim Corbin would never do anything like that. I know a lot of other coaches that 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 wouldn't uh, that that would never do anything like that. Um, and and so with that being said, I I just think you know. There's a lot of that going on in college sports as a whole, but specifically baseball. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think you said it best. Um, and it's it's ridiculous. It, it's it's an absolute joke that uh, that that is going on in college baseball. Um, and you're talking about lessons 
you know, that, that, that you want to teach players, that's the lesson you're, you're teaching your guys. That's, that's pretty pathetic. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, to be honest, Red, I think a lot of those teams might be looking back saying, Hey, maybe we should have, maybe we should have gotten this pitcher a rep, or maybe we shouldn't, should have gotten this batter an extra rep. I think they'll be looking back, uh, in a bad way about it. So couldn't agree with you more, Rhett. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more RPI when, uh, you know, when Vandy potentially, uh, wins this series, they might get boosted up, but, uh, Rhett, thanks again for taking the time, my man. Thanks, Billy. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too.